Hey y'all, I'm Wanda Swan. I'm Shannon Palma. And you're listening to Once, Once Upon, Upon a Patriarchy. Patriarchy. We are once again here season two. We've been doing our thing. Thank you for listening. And we are back with another episode. And we have another special guest in the booth today. So I'm going to let Shannon do what she does best. Well, a couple. Well, it's not what she does best. She does do a best? lot. You do a lot of things. <laughs> you do a lot of good they things. They edited. Like, the number of times I stumble over words <laughs> during the bio. <laughs> She's laughing because she knows it's true. Well, the fact that you even shared that, Shannon, you didn't have to, right? So I'm telling you, that's how you're a good person. You're just oh, a good person. thank you. So. I love the credit. Mm-hmm. So one of the other things that she does well is read because you don't hear when she does not read well and it is okay. So she is going to read a bio of our guest for today. Take it away, Shannon Palmer. Chanel Craft Tanner serves as the director of the Center for Women at Emory. As the director of the Center for Women at Emory, she provides executive leadership for the Women's Center and develops and sustains partnerships across the university to establish a shared vision for the CWE, that's the abbreviation for the Center for Women, Mm -hmm. and lead in its implementation. She also provides strategic guidance and support across the enterprise to make the university a better place for women and all students. Chanel holds a Ph.D. in Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies from Emory University, where she completed a dissertation entitled Beyond the Bars, Using U.S. Third World Feminism to Read Constructions of Carcerality in Hip-Hop. Additionally, she holds an M.A. in Women's Studies from Georgia State University and a B.A. in Government and Politics from the University of Maryland, College Park. Chanel is also a member of the internationally recognized Crunk Feminist Collective, where she brings expertise in the areas of hip-hop feminism, U.S. third world feminism, black feminism, cultural studies, and critical prison studies to read popular culture. Welcome, Chanel. Hey, y'all. Yay! (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here in the booth. Thank y'all so much for having me. All right. So, Chanel, thank you. Thank you so much for coming in today on a cold Sunday. What we are going to do today is we are going to discuss Moana. I love Moana. (laughs) I got real loud. (laughs) So I am really excited to have this conversation today. I'm so excited to have it with you. So what we're going to do is we're going to start off in the same same order as we usually do. Shannon, you're going to bring us some background around some type of historical context that surrounds the story. And then we're going to take it from there by answering three questions, and we're going to see where the questions lead us today. Sounds good. Sounds good, Shannon? It does. All right. All right, Shannon, take it away. So this one is a little bit different because Moana is an original narrative that Disney came up with on its own. So this isn't based on a fairy tale and its ties to Polynesian mythology are there, and I'll I'll go into some of that, but this isn't my area of expertise, and the body of literature around Maui is so huge, and there's variants from every different island culture throughout Polynesia, and there are 1,000 islands in Polynesia. So, wow. yeah, so I'm going to focus primarily on a little bit of production detail, just Mm -hmm. background on how they came up with this conglomeration of things, and then a couple of the prominent 
critiques made by Polynesian critics. Sounds good. Okay. Moana had the same directors as The Princess and the Frog. That's something to note. Okay. That was John Musker and Ron Clements. But after the story moved into production, they identified some major story problems and brought in two other directors. They couldn't do that with us, though? I'm sorry. Mm. I know. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So Clements uh, pitched a film about the demigod Maui. And Clements and, and Musker, they did The Little Mermaid and Aladdin, as well as The Princess and the Frog. So they've been with Disney for a very long time. Clements pitched a film about the demigod Maui after researching Polynesian mythology. Disney animation chief John Lasseter liked it, but he made them do a lot of research, including traveling extensively throughout Polynesia, which in interviews they they laugh about. They say, oh, the word boondoggle was thrown around. Like, basically, they complain they had to do too much research for this movie in interviews, which I found rather typical based on our discussion of The Princess and the Frog mm-hmm. and the fact that they based their whole thing in New Orleans based mm-hmm. on going down a couple of times and talking to... Yeah, tourist we, had, attractions. we yeah. had an episode about that, tourist attraction stuff. But in this case, they actually were held by Disney accountable to a lot more in terms of cultural sensitivity and uh, accuracy, which I think ends up with a better movie, although they're still, they're still Disney. Mm-hmm. So, all right, the songs were by Lin-Manuel Miranda and a Samoan musician whose name I'm probably going to butcher, I tried to find a pronunciation of it. Apotea Foy. That was the best pronunciation guy I could come up with, so I hope it's right. And then the orchestral score was by Mark Mancina. This was the first Disney film ever translated into the Tahitian language. So there were some other... They really wow. were trying to do the right... Trying to do this in a, in a solid way, a respectful way. Uh, the story is another mashup which we've talked a lot about the ways that Disney, when they, they try to do something specifically that's rendering a non-white cultural background, they tend to mash up tons of different things and just put them together as though they they are... It doesn't matter how they go together. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that the case with Frozen, though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But she, that's white. Yeah. Maybe that's just their thing. Like, yeah, I, no, I, they do that, too. So that it can't really be centered in one place. Like, that's a part of the critique with T- with um, Tiana, right? Is that they put it in New Orleans, you know, as opposed to maybe doing a mashup like they did with Black Panther, where, like, yeah, we know it's in Africa, but where exactly in Africa? So you get to pull from a lot of different cultures mm-hmm. that make up the diaspora, including African-American culture and Afro-Caribbean culture, so that we all feel connected to it. So mm-hmm. maybe that is a more careful way of doing it. Yeah, I they definitely. Do you mean a more careful way of doing it in terms of a mashup is a more careful? Way yeah, of doing like it? in some ways, I feel like the mashup is more careful because it's like yes, it's based in place, but it's not a very specific place, so it gets to pull from a lot of different Polynesian cultures and places to so that you all feel connected to it, and it's not just like you know this is going to be specifically connected to Hawaii or something. So I don't know, just. Listening and I think the idea yeah. of the mashup is probably I think the idea and the intention. I just don't trust Disney with it. Yeah. I, oh I, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's my biggest but okay. Sometimes they do 
I think the that reading of it may have been discussed at some point, and mm-hmm. I think that's a really smart reading of it. A lot of times they don't pull off mm-hmm. that because they just they they pull together things in a way, and then they put their Disney spin on it in a way that becomes really problematic. So one of the pieces where it becomes problematic in Frozen is the the men of the North are supposed to be that Sven is yeah mm-hmm. is are supposed to be the dark people. Mm-hmm. Supposed to be dark. <laughs> that's erasure. Like it's matching up, and then there's just like straight up <laughs> erasure. Oh, wait, Sven's the mo- no, the reindeer. I keep. I know who you're talking about yeah, though. Yeah, what's, um, what's his name? Kristoff. 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 So it's one of those things where it's yeah. just like mm. they do the mashup, and the mashup. There's like, I would trust you with a mashup. <laughs> yeah. And a way to, and I think they do better with Moana because a they lot end up better. with that. Um, yep. What did they call it? Like a oceanic trust or what? Like they they had like people mm-hmm. from the culture who were mm-hmm. responsible for doing the research. But the same with Black Panther, right? Like you can tell mm-hmm. a lot of research mm-hmm. went into that movie, and mm-hmm. it was done by people of that community. So as you mentioned. This story is this time. The story has the guidance of a group of experts they called the Oceanic Story Trust. Oh, mm-hmm. Right. It also has two sets of co-directors and at least three sets of writers, several of which had Pacific Island ancestry. So they're trying. Mm-hmm. They're trying really hard. So just a little bit of background. Polynesia is a region that contains, as we said, more than a thousand islands scattered over the central and southern Pacific Ocean. The largest is New Zealand. The indigenous folks share related languages, culture, and traditions. Moana's island is a mashup of Fiji, Samoa, and Tonga. Mm -hmm. So what they did is they took the legends of Maui and combined it with a historical mystery known as the Long Pause to get the story. The western Polynesian islands, closer to Australia, were settled for the first time about 3,500 years ago. Central and Eastern Polynesia weren't settled until about 2,000 years later. So there's this unexplained 2,000-year period where the Polynesians just stopped voyaging, and they didn't venture any further for a while. So it's presumed among scholars and historians that no one knows why they stopped or why they started again. I'm not going to say nobody knows, because all the sources I'm reading are not Polynesian sources. (laughs) But it's assumed that no one knows at this point, why that happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of speculation that it might have been climate change. It might have been technology around, like, sailing against the wind, Mm -hmm. things like that. But nobody knows. So that was the core of what they used to generate the story. Mm. In Polynesian mythology, Maui is the son of a god and a mortal woman. He raises islands from the sea, gives humans fire, lassos the sun to slow it down and give us longer days and nights to do our work, that sort of thing. So that song, that You're Welcome song, is Mm -hmm. very accurate, but Mm -hmm. it's also, um, there are different versions of the Maui legend and the Maui folklore on each of the, on all the different islands. And so it's a, it is, that I think is a really good example of, of something where you just, you take, pick and take and do different things. There are two places, though, where they really get, they elicited controversy still. And one of them is the depiction, the physical depiction of Maui. Mm -hmm. So in the majority of the stories, Maui is depicted as a slim, well-dressed young man with a top knot on his head. He's the youngest of four brothers, or five brothers. 
He has four older brothers. He's always sneaking around. He's very muscular. Who does he look like? A Disney prince. Mm-hmm. Right? So they they couldn't do that mm-hmm. in the in the movie because he's not they're not gonna fall in love. Right. Mm. So originally Disney made him short and bald and the Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the story trust folks were like, ah, no. No, this is not going to work because hair is a source of mana or power. Right. And so they said he has to have hair. He has to have hair. So they added the hair and they kept adding the hair. And there's some some funny write-ups of kind of like that conversation back and forth. But they, they did a really nice job in that way. And he does put his hair up in a top knot at different points during the movie. Mm-hmm. But they also bulked him up mm-hmm. and made him huge. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of pushback from Polynesian folks who who really took it as perpetuating a stereotype of Polynesian folks as overweight mm-hmm. because they took someone who is who is generally depicted as a lithe young man mm-hmm. and made him really huge mm-hmm. and there's a lot of the a lot of the articles are like he's voiced by the rock right after he's you know Dwayne Johnson is supposed to be the sexiest man alive and then they don't use that physique. Right. So it's it's a it's a awkward it's it's I'm not sure how I feel about that particular critique in the sense of it seems like there's a lot of fat shaming that goes into that. Right. Like he's he can't actually be... felt like the rock's physique to me. That that's like it's not that like, yeah. far it's not off. That, like, he's, like he's the rock's not skinny. He's yeah, huge. he's a big he's guy. He's a big, big guy. So that's but that is what one of the Major like he's a wall. He's like a wall. You, he's you a wall. He's stop. the rock. Right. Right. Mm. So right. that's you know, there's this is the thing. They did hmm. this movie. I think they did this movie really well. So the critiques that rise to the surface are pretty specific. I don't know how I feel about them, but yeah. it's also not my culture. So right. I'm you know? Yeah. It's not my culture. I don't have a deep knowledge of those kinds of stereotypes and how they play out if right. you actually are Polynesian. Right. So there's a Tongan cultural anthropologist whose name I'm also going to butcher, Tevita O. Kaili, I think it is. But he notes that in myths, Maui is almost always accompanied by his companion goddess, whose name is Hina or sometimes Sina. And the symmetry of balancing a powerful god and a goddess is a key motif in much of Polynesian mythology. So it creates beauty and harmony within the stories. Mm-hmm. Depending on the particular version one looks at, Hina may be Maui's mother, sister, grandmother, or wife. But in most, she is the source of his supernatural power. Hmm. So, like, when he tries to lasso the sun to slow it down on his own, it doesn't work. It doesn't work until he makes a rope braided from his sister's hair uh, and then uses that. And then he's able to... So, right. so she's a very powerful figure. So in the movie, Tafiti was originally inspired by a Maori variant of Hina. Mm-hmm. And in that myth, Hina Titama flees to the realm of the dead when she discovers that her husband is also her father. Oh. Yeah. And then she becomes... Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you. you discover that? <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, okay. You feel like there's a lot of backstory there. <laughs> There has to be. There has to be a lot of backstory. There has like, to be. I feel like he knew how yeah. old his daughter was, but maybe, I don't know, maybe there's 
He was the like, god of the forest or something like that. Maybe his job was busy and maybe he wasn't. Pre- no. Yeah, he I wasn't know. a present dad. No... He didn't know that that was his daughter. There's no way. Yeah. Anyway. Now flees. I think it's an episode of Maury. Yeah. <laughs> but continue. She flees to the realm of the dead and she becomes a goddess of death and eventually she kills Maui because. This is where it gets, this is where it gets like a typical episode of Once Upon a Patriarchy. Okay. Right? It gets dark real fast. Okay. Where he changes into a lizard and enters her through her. Don't. Yeah. No. no, Is what I meant to say. No. No, Shannon. I'm going to not tell the rest of this because of Wanda's face right now. (laughs) But now I need to know. I'm I'm hanging on the edge of my seat. Uh, Fine. Fine. I'm sorry. I don't mean to verbally violate you. Her vagina probably, right? Yes. This is where we are. It's once upon a patriarchy. Yep. This is where we are. He enters her while she's sleeping. He turns into a lizard and enters her through her vagina with the intention of coming out her mouth, reversing the cycle of life and death because she was the goddess of life. Now she's the goddess of death. And beating back mortality, overcoming the cycle of mortality. Well, yeah, she should have. She so should have. Ki- she squashes him like a bug. Yeah, he should have got got. He got. He gets killed. That's, okay, that's a good thing. All right. Wait, who are we talking about? Maui. Maui. Did Maui that? did that to Hina, ah. to one version of Hina and a Maori version of Hina. So, but that's the version of Hina that they originally based Tefiti off of. Right. So either way, Maui was conceived as this. Demigod who did something to this to this guy. Who assaulted her in some way. Right. And so they just watered that down, what the assault was like, but it was still very clear in the movie Mm -hmm. that he did some stuff to her that that he shouldn't have done. Took something away from her. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. So here's the thing. They don't have Hina in there because they radically change what Maui did. Maui's a hero. He's, He's the hero of the story as much as Moana is the hero of the story. So they don't tell the versions of what he did that are that are the violent, rapey and the rapey violent. violent I don't know. If, I mean, we can talk about this but a little I bit do... later. I don't know if Maui was really the hero. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I have a similar mm-hmm. thing about that. He was originally conceived of as the hero of the story. Maybe I should say that. So, in terms of thinking about Hina slash Sina, Tefiti is like pulled from her or inspired by her. Moana's mother is named after her. Oh. Uh-huh. Sina. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Okay. But the actual closest analog, according to this um, Tongan anthropologist, is Grandma Tala. But okay. Now, yeah. that makes sense yeah. to me because I felt something there. Okay. Yeah. She has no mystical power. Mm-hmm. And all the other analogs, so all the analogs to Hina are weakened in order to give primacy to Moana, right? Mm-hmm. To make Moana the heroine of the story mm-hmm. and the balance to Maui, mm-hmm. but also the, the star. Mm-hmm. And so what's interesting there in terms of the critique is it's not that they didn't try. It's that the key to indigenous storytelling, to Polynesian storytelling, centers that balance or that mm-hmm. symmetry and that by making them not equals mm-hmm. there's a there's a piece of it that's that's so clearly not mm-hmm. you know does not mm-hmm. uh, embedded in that culture so that's that's another piece of the critique and again the critiques get very nuanced and subtle because they do a lot of things right mm-hmm. in this movie so the one thing that's not it's not nuanced and subtle the one thing that they get egregiously just oh my god are the kakamora 
The coconut, coconut warriors. The coconut warriors. I they bothered me. They should. Yeah. Because they're inspired by the legend of a very short people who are less than four feet tall in the Solomon Islands who have long black hair and long fingernails. They live in mountain caves and eat wild bush foods. They are mischievous in general and aggressive when cornered. They are not seafaring, for one. Wow. They are also. Depending on what you're reading, and I, this is, I'm a dabbler when it comes to this. This is not my area, so mm-hmm. bear with me. But depending on what source you're reading, they're either kind of like the fae goblin, so like the, the Polynesian version of goblins, or they may be analogs for a real people. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that there's a racial slur for Pacific Islanders. Right. Yep. I was waiting on that. Go ahead. Coconut and then the N-word. Yep. Right? So turning the Kakamura into coconut people is is not... That's where we get into the the mashup piece and di- trusting Disney with the mashup. Like, we're also wanting to know a little bit more about who makes up the oceanic uh, story trust, right? Like, so mm-hmm. I'm wondering if within Polynesian culture, if those folks hold a more privileged voice voice in the in culture, presence. and like if the Kakamora, if they weren't even a part of the trust, um, right. or someone would have caught that. So I think that that well intersectionality, right? Like that mm-hmm. we look at like okay. Yes, they have this trust of people who are of the culture to do this work, but then do we really do we dig deep enough to make sure that and weren't the elite of that culture or those right. who hold the more privileged or, you know, lighter skinned or this stuff is the same wherever we go. So right. I'm curious about the makeup of that yeah. of that trust. The Kakamura are also not as far as we know, they're not a known people. They're mm-hmm. a legend. So, did they have anyone from the Solomon Islands there? Mm-hmm. Right, like right, like they, sort of, right. Yeah, now like, we got now we just got to look at that trust a little bit more. It, there's so many cultures in that make up Polynesia that they're not going to have been able to have representation from all of them. But they're also that that creates these mo- these places where yeah, you like, perpetuate certain stereotypes even within the community. And I'm thinking about this scene, and I'm really like that was one of the scenes where I'm like. We really didn't need that. No. Like, no. it really didn't have to happen because when you think about what really happened in that space is when Moana and Maui decided to shake hands and go forth with the plan that Moana went out to to set forth to do. Mm-hmm. They could have done that on the island. They could have just yeah. done that on the canoe without any type of... Yeah. It could have been a really, like, great wordplay. Like, you didn't need that there. So it was just not only was it races it was unnecessary to the flow of the story right. as well it's a callback to mad max they they oh, basically which wow. if you've ever seen like the mad max movies <laughs> which are God. australian films and so which Yo. it's not it's neighbors to polynesia but right yeah there's that's why they include they included him as a nod that that scene is a nod to the mad max films which I just, I'm oh, not really. Go away. Are you serious? Sure. <laughs> Why is that necessary? Who among the eight year old set is going to get that? Like, <laughs> but they, but Disney knows that so much of his audiences are. Yeah, yeah that's true. that we're like, ooh, okay. the Lion King is coming out. You better keep your kids at home. <laughs> <laughs> Any of y'all kids up in the Lion King, they getting kicked in the face, so they know they're yeah. like, 
Yeah. Yeah. Putting little nods in there for us. For us older folk. Yeah. Yeah. So now that I've said what they were critiqued for, I also want to talk about what they did right. Okay. Okay, which is they got a lot of praise for the detail around the clothing, the music, and some of the cultural traditions, particularly, though, for wayfinding. Mm. Everything they did around the wayfinding, people just cannot say enough. That's great. Just wonderful things about. So given the amount of research that went into this movie, I that's what I've got in terms of background and context for us. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot. It was just a lot. Like, that whole background was a show within Mm -hmm. itself. So, all right. Thanks, Shannon. Uh, As you stated previously, this is not Fairytale Jam, your Fairytale Jam. So this was was a a stretch for you. You're stretching your skills this week for us. (laughs) That's Shannon stretching. (laughs) (laughs) So I appreciate that. I think we can start. We, I, I mean, we've already started, but Chanel, if you could tell us some of your thoughts around some of the themes in the movie that were pertinent to you while you were watching the film, what is some stuff that just came up for you? So I have a six-year-old daughter, so we watch all the princess movies. I tried my best to be like, this will not be a princess house, ain't no pink, like we're not doing that. And, like, everyone knew when it was time for my baby shower that, like, don't buy Chanel pink. Like, that she's not going to wear it. And as soon as Corey turned to and learned her colors, what did she say? Pink is my favorite. Right. Wow. Right. Like, that's it. And so that was my, like, okay, well, you can think you're doing something. But when these kids come in the world, you have to parent the child that you were given. And so she was all about princesses, all about pink, all about all those things. And so, yeah, so my daughter wants princesses. We're going to watch princesses. And I watched princesses myself and was really excited about them. Though, of course, when we were when we were younger, it wasn't like the princesses rolled together in a crew like they do now. Like, you know, like now it's like, what is this? Like, it was just like a princess movie would come out. You go watch the movie and then Disney would do the boy movie the next right. year. Right. Like yeah, It was like yeah, every yeah. other year. But, you know, now it's like, you know, the princesses are their own crew. When you go to Disney World, they roll together like it's a thing. So anyway, when Moana came out, you know, we went to the movies, we went and saw it, and I was just so moved. It was a beautiful movie, and she's my favorite Disney princess, Mm. and I think that they just keep getting it better and better and better every time, and as a women's studies person, I'm like, they have somebody in in there has a women's studies degree, Mm -hmm. or has (laughs) taken some classes, because like the way Disney has improved, it just feels like... There's a feminist somewhere. And so I went into the the movie and left the movie in a very generative space. And, you know, during my my coursework, I think that's something that I struggled with in getting the PhD is that I often go into readings and, and documentaries and movies first with like, that was good. I, I hear what this person was trying to do, but then getting into class, getting into seminars. And kind of like everyone else is tearing it apart. And then I, I don't feel smart enough because I didn't have a, mm. a critique, mm. right? Exactly. Like I, I, I appreciated exactly what the person was oh trying God. to do. Wow. And so it's taken me yeah. a really long time to just own that. That like typically I can see what is right first. It takes me a very, 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 mm-hmm. very, very long time, if ever, 
to see like what is wrong. And so that's just where I am. So with Moana, I saw so much that they got right. And so the fact that there was no love interest. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? I loved it so much. That was just like, oh my goodness. Right. And so as a black woman, I'm also always looking for brown princesses. Right. So I just remember being little and Aladdin coming out and that was supposed to be the boy movie. But like all little girls fell in love with Princess Jasmine Mm -hmm. because we hadn't seen a a, a princess of color ever. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the mother had started that petition to get a black princess at Disney. And I don't know if it was true or if it was rumors or whatever, but that the response was, well, you have the Lion King. And that like that was Ooh. the answer for the black princess. <laughs> Oh. Right? So there's so much we could talk about, right? Like with, with black women being seen as animals. Y'all and can't even see all my face that. right now. Y'all oh can't even see my right? face and right so now. And so this is pre when we could actually check and see if like rumors are, are real or not. But like that is what I remember hearing back is what she, what she got back. So I don't know if that's true, but that was something that even if it's not true, that the black community believed that that was yeah. true shows you like how we felt about Disney and the princesses. So we put a lot of hope and excitement on Tiana and she is not my favorite mm-hmm. princess at all. But Moana, I thought was just beautiful. Yep. I think it's weird that Disney always kills the mom, that there's like no mothers. There's a lot of evil stepmothers. So the yep. fact that there was a mama there, I was uh-huh. like, yes, mothers. And the fact that there was a grandmother. Now we've yes. never seen that. Yes. So can we just talk about grandma? Like, I love I just- I love her. I just loved her. And so, like, that gave me... She's everything. She's everything. Yeah. Yeah. I just liked it. I I liked that that she was present, even though, I mean, they have to kill somebody. It's Disney. Right. Um, So even though she dies, that she... But she's still there. She was there, right? (laughs) And she was such... And so for so many women of color, people of color, like grandmas are present in your raising. And so that is kind of odd that, like, all of these Disney princesses have existed in these nuclear families, even if that, you know, means a stepmom, but that we just have never seen a non-nuclear family. And grandma was like the kind of grandmas we all know, like sneaking and telling a granddaughter to do stuff that her parents <laughs> are like, you better not do it. She's like, oh, whatever, like do it. Let me show you who your people really are. Yeah. And so I just got so much joy from that. Just the way, the, 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 the way in which she just did not adhere to any of the traditions or regulations but she still shared that deep love for her culture her background her village or the grandma granny and that yeah like granny was like f the police you know but (laughs) she was also like but let me tell you about your people for real because Mm -hmm. you come from such great stock right Right. and that was one of the uh, stakes in the ground for me like her being that roadmap and that starting point and that guiding that guiding light for her to that connection to the past. Like for me, I feel like grandma is the hero yeah. because she actually, you know, she is the the change agent trainer, right? In that way. Like she is the one who was like, Yeah, on my deathbed, this is the destiny for you. I have she's she knew it. She saw it. She knew it was gonna happen. She right. knew that the ocean chose her. Like she a G. Like, I just, I love her. Yeah, who would Moana have become without her grandma? Right. Ariel. <gasps> oh. That's what I kept thinking, because in the Hans Christian Andersen Little Mermaid, mm. there is a, a grandmother that helps uh, the sea king raise the, the girls. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, she's, it's it's still a very depressing story, but, but they completely, and 
take her out of the Disney movie. But wow. but the chief, remi- her father, reminded mm-hmm. me a lot in certain moments of Triton mm-hmm. in The Little Mermaid. And they're directed by the same guys. Right. So, so now that's my... That's that is one area of critique. So I want to get back yeah, to the yeah, dad. Yeah, we have mm-hmm. to get back to the dad. But to see, I just kept thinking when her grandmother tells her to go on her deathbed, mm. and then her mother helps her. I cried. I was like, yeah. oh my god, I love it. This is like this is what happens when the moms are alive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is what happens. They save. They literally save the day. They saved the entire island. Yeah, they know everyone. what their daughters are capable uh-huh. of, and they mm. believe in their daughters, and they see them as fully capable yeah. people who can yes. make their own decisions about what is best for their oh life. It's, if that's not feminism... They are visionaries. Then, but what the heck is? <laughs> I felt like watching this, I felt like I felt watching Maleficent. Yeah, oh! So I made a I note of that. Maleficent. Why aren't we... I made a note of that because it is very similar, right? Especially with Maleficent and the role of the Mother Island graffiti, right? That is very similar. The impact of what happens when abuse takes takes place in a community. Yes. And there is no accountability for it. And the destruction Mm -hmm. that that causes to self, how that reaches out into the community, how it creates... Oh my gosh, I we gotta talk about Tafiti because mm-hmm. yo, I was yeah, we gotta talk about Tafiti. That that was so powerful. The last moment, the reckoning moment. I cried. I cried a lot during this movie, actually. Yes. I was um, sobbing on my couch. Yeah. yeah. I cried a lot. I cried a lot. So but yeah, that really it tied into Maleficent for me, just how violence impacts a whole system, your yeah. the yeah. environment. And how, I can tell you, this is probably like my third time watching Moana. The first two times, I was not riding for Maui nowhere at all. I was like, you know what? You a sucker, MC. And I don't like (laughs) nothing about you. And all of this could have been avoided. Yeah. He is a villain. Why is he her sidekick? He's a villain. Because he's charming. Because he's charming. Let's stay on Maui for a second. Because I think a lot about him. And he's absolutely the villain. But I also like what Disney has been doing lately with the villains, which mm. gives makes them a little bit more complicated than like mm-hmm. Ursula, right? Yeah, like, and yeah, I think yeah. that that kind of that kind of starts with Maleficent, where they where they create a better narrative of of why mm-hmm. she was like that. I, I really hope they do a retelling of Ursula. I really, really do. I, um, I do too. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yes, yes. But with with Maui. Yes, he was the villain, but also Moana did need him. And I like that she used him for what she needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Like that she's like, You're gonna you're going to do this. I am Moana. I am Moana. <laughs> and you will get on my yeah. boat. You're bro. gonna get on my boat. Right. Like, and so but he needed to apologize. He, he needed did. to get things right. And so it also, you know, it doesn't give you this kind of really flat version of a of a villain it's kind of like yeah you know even in the you're welcome we get this we we understand him to be thinking he's doing good things yeah. and so but also understanding and recognizing that like no i cause i caused some harm and now i need to fix it so i think that there's something interesting in in maui 
as a villain. It's restorative justice. Yeah. Right? Mm. So it's so I've been yeah. doing a lot of research <laughs> on restorative justice lately. I'm trying to save my county. And that's one thing I kept going back to as well, the this idea of bringing him back to the place that where he caused harm and accountability in that way. Mm-hmm. And some of the and and I was hoping that that would be a thing that came up in the background in the background story of Moana, but I think it is I mean when we when we're talking about restorative justice, we're talking about a system that is rooted in indigenous roots yes. um, in general. And yeah. so and so yeah. this this mm-hmm. idea of communal self self-regulation and self-governance in a way that we we look at accountability as a means to actually restoring our community mm-hmm. and restoring and 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 also giving people the opportunity to see the impact of the harm that they did and i also think that that was also a big piece mm-hmm. that i was able to see on the third um, viewing of this cartoon. I didn't see restorative justice the first couple times because I was just angry. Yeah. I was just like, man. Mm. Hmm. But I think this time around, I think it's also because I was sitting in that space where I'm doing a lot of research yeah. on it. It became it very clear. Yeah. yeah. I think to your restorative justice point, um, it's also Takai, Tafiti, mm-hmm. wasn't ready to accept his apology Mm -hmm. and and she didn't have to and it couldn't it actually couldn't come from him right like she didn't want no parts of that dude like you gotta go you're not coming through here i don't try moana had to be the mediator to to fix it moana had to step in and say sister i see you and i know you've been hurt but it, it it didn't come in the way that Maui wanted. He thinks it's just because he's ready to make things right, right that now she's supposed to just bend over backwards and just take it. Like, it took a mediator um, to, to get in there and really, really fix the situation and say, I see you and mm-hmm. you're you're better than this. But also, it took a woman. So back to your point earlier about the balancing um, that usually um, mm-hmm. Maui is with this other counterpart mm-hmm. and that that was taken mm-hmm. out. It was put into Tafiti though. And what we typically see, and, and this is what I loved as a feminist watching this movie, is that there, what we thought was this like version whore mm-hmm. kind of dichotomy happening, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Where, where we had Takai who was this evil, angry person and then or goddess. And then we had Tafiti, who was kind, but we can't find her, like, you know, because Takai is, like, all upset. And then we realize that they're they're the same same. person. That was the balance. That was the yin and the yang. Like, that was, like, and that's how we are, right? Like, and so this kind of splitting of good girls versus bad girls wasn't made, wasn't possible once you realize that, like, no, like, this is, this is one goddess. It's not, you know... Mary Jesus's mother and Mary Magdalene the whore like right. they are one in the same. Right. I also thought, you know, what I thought was interesting is how they rendered Tafiti unrecognizable in right. the form of mm. Taka and they yeah. never actually assigned Taka a gender. Yeah, you right. don't right. see until the end when you realize there's right. Like, right. Taka there's is an very anatomy. Androgynous. Right. Yeah. And so you don't see them as the, the possibility isn't even there. They mm-hmm. are just one's a demon and one's and that's a goddess. Ex- that's it. Right. That's it. That's the only. Yeah. I, I wrote that. I wrote that. That's the only description. Takai was a demon of earth and fire. Mm-hmm. That's it. And so it why did like, Moana? Why was Moana able to see her? Right. Like how did? Spiral. How was she? Yeah. Yeah. Technically, Yo, the spiral. Right. Like, oh, but yeah. like what? 
well, I, I, that's what I'm thinking. Like, how was that connection was made? That connection yeah, made? like how was she the one that was able to recognize that that spiral and that she's she's the same person? Because ain't nobody checking for. What about checking for the goddess to begin with, yeah. right? Because yeah. it, I mean, I think it goes back to the disrespect, right? This Nobody idea, for right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think people even knew that she was gone. They just yeah. knew that Takai was there. Mm. People didn't even know that she wasn't there because I feel like if Moana, even if Moana did, she wouldn't have traveled to that part of the island. She would have just tried to connect with her over there. Yeah. Nobody even knew that she was no, missing. It's not until she realizes. That she was missing. That she's gone, that she yeah. turns around. She's trying to figure out where she went. She turns around. That's when she's like, look for the spiral. There's this, like, there's this right. aha moment for right. her. I, I want to come back to Maui for just a second because I, I love the idea of restorative justice. I don't, I don't know. And I, I wanted that to be in that last scene with him. And I didn't accountability. feel accountability. And I never felt like he actually took accountability for the harm he had done to the world or to to Fiji. Like it, yeah, it was played for laughs. I can see that. He it was w- like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, you know. But and the, he got a gift, and he got a present, right? Yeah. And that that's one of those moments. That I don't think it undoes the arc of the movie, but it definitely is one of those moments where I think that scene is yeah. written badly mm-hmm. but when 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 moana finds maui he's isolated right like mm-hmm. he he's alone he's already been mm-hmm. he's being he's in the process of being punished yeah. for his actions right like mm-hmm. so and some years. for a thousand yeah. years so i think that that was the accountability it's unfortunate that he didn't have a chance in that while he was there to be um really dealt like because he was completely isolated, which is what we do with people when they're put in prison, right? Mm-hmm. That there there isn't any opportunity to actually yeah. restore or to even grow or to learn. Like, he's just pushed to this. And I, I'm, like, a thousand percent sure Disney wasn't thinking about all this. So yeah, they no, did no, that. No. They but, um, but as we, you know, frame it in terms or thinking about it in terms of restorative justice, I do think that there are some parallels about, like, well, the prison, that doesn't work. Like, you know, yeah. like, that doesn't work. Doesn't just throw work. somebody away. And, you know, when she finds him, he's like, you're welcome. Like, he's still he cocky. Wasn't ready. He wasn't yeah. He wasn't Yeah, ready. or he didn't even get to see the harm that he caused. Yeah. Right. Right? Like, so he, do- he doesn't have time to really process what was wrong or even an opportunity to think about if I get an opportunity, here's how I'll make it better because he doesn't get to see the actual harm that he caused. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. I think that ostracizing him in that way, isolating him in that way. I mean, he built a shrine to himself in the yeah. time that in the thousand years. <laughs> and he even said, he said, yo, in the thousand years that I've been locked up, locked up, basically, I've been concerned with two things. Keeping his hair shiny, right, yeah. and all this uh-huh. stuff, and getting that hook back. Yep. That's it. That's all he cares about. So then when he does, when they do finally, you know, meet Taka, and they see the anger, and then mm-hmm. he's like, look, this is too much. Don't go through there, Moana. And she does it anyway, and mm-hmm. breaks, and then he leaves. He does come back, mm-hmm. right? He comes back, because I think, like, there's something in there that, mm-hmm. that realization, like, oh, shoot, she's that, like, I hurt her. Right, like I, I hurt this, or maybe maybe I'm doing too much because at that time he doesn't really yeah. realize that that's Tafiti. But, but there's and something he's about back like and he's cutting her arms off. Yeah, but I like don't. That. He's 
fighting for her. I, I, so, I think he felt he accountability towards Moana. Moana. Yes. Because yes. he yes. knew. You're right. Because he yes. knew that she was going to go back. Yeah. Even when she didn't know. Even when she had yeah. a moment, he knew that this was something that was important to her, to the livelihood of not just her island, but all of the islands, right? And she put that on her back, and she upheld her end of the bargain, Mm -hmm. and he knew that she was going to go back, and he knew that she was going to be vulnerable. And I think he saw the harm in the fact that he saw what she was fighting against. I don't think he he didn't know that it was Tafiti, but he saw the harm that he created because it knocked them completely yeah. out, right? And I think he didn't want her to be. And and I think it's really interesting too, like the mini Maui that's on his chest that mm-hmm. we that we see a lot of it acts as his conscience, as his yeah. guy. I think that's a really interesting mini character too. I know you like side characters a lot. That's yeah. a Jiminy Cricket. It mm. is a Jiminy Cricket. Cricket. It is. You know, let your conscience be your guy kind of thing. Yeah. I, I thought that but was that's interesting. Like, Okay, going back to Maleficent, because I feel like that's the best Disney parallel uh-huh. for this, because yep. they really do so much really well. But what's his name? King Stefan. Like, he has a conscience, and he does bad stuff anyway. Yeah, he does. And I think with Maui, I think, yeah, I think that the thing that redeems Maui for me is his accountability to Moana, except the person that he deeply harmed is to Fidi, yeah, and she rewards or she lets him off the hook oh, for that, yeah. gives him the hook, literally gives him back <laughs> his powers. <laughs> and I don't know that that was the one thing that didn't work for me. I think we were supposed to be happy for him because he wasn't expecting to get his powers back yeah. and he, he did came it anyway. back he, did it anyway. he came back knowing that he was coming back with one good hit mm-hmm. left in his in his hook um and knew that that would be the end of his powers and he went back and he did it anyway so i think that that's probably that where that was the arc mm-hmm. yeah no that makes yeah, sense that's what it i didn't think didn't work for me but it makes sense <laughs> I understand. <laughs> like, I no, understand. I'm not giving him back. I've let him live. <laughs> <laughs> there is my mercy. You talk about smiting and smoting dust. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. I'd be like, you can just leave. I mean, but I mean, just to <laughs> wrap up the restorative justice piece yeah, of it, yeah, though, because yeah. but really, restorative justice is about. What is the person who's been harmed? What what do they need? What do they need? Um, yeah. And so yeah. she was fine with that. Maybe for her, she felt like, I don't think you'll do this again. Mm-hmm. So I'm good. What I needed mm. was an apology. Mm. And the, the justice system that we have today doesn't center doesn't what it is not. that no. I need. Maybe what I needed is not for him to go to jail. I mm-hmm. just wanted an opportunity for y'all to hold him while I punch him in his face. Like, right. but we don't ask yeah. people <laughs> what, they what it is need. they need. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah maybe... Maybe Tafiti feels like, okay, like, I don't think you'll do it again. I think she did because yeah. she, she gifted him, right? right. Yeah. Um, I think she did. That's a really great That's way a... of reframing Because it doesn't that. make That's us comfortable. Way. It's not what yeah. we think that that right. person. No, I, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think really like I think that. it also hits on the other Disney piece. Was about no. no. <laughs> but I like it as a, like, no. audience intervention. <laughs> I think the other piece of it with restorative justice is not looking at what happened between the survivor and the aggressor, but it's also the community. Mm-hmm. So I think if we're looking at the arc, if we're looking at this under the umbrella of restorative justice, the mediator was able to not only 
help the aggressor and the survivor reconcile. And then there is also direct positive impact mm-hmm. towards the environment and the community and making it better. That hits all the high points yeah. of restorative justice. Mm. So speaking of community, I think that's another thing that I loved Mm -hmm. so much about Moana is that like that was her love interest. It was her people. And she was drawn to save them. It wasn't about saving herself. It wasn't about saving anybody else but her people. Mm -hmm. And so I love that. And I also love that this was, a you know, as being a part of a crunk feminist collective, I'm always really drawn to collectivity and that even the saving was a collective thing. Mm -hmm. Moana, yes, was the hero, but she did not do it alone. Mm -hmm. Maui was there. Her grandma was there. Mm -hmm. the The water was there. Like, so you had... This group of people who went and got it back. Mm. And then even, hey, hey. Hey, hey. Hey, You couldn't have saved the day without hey, hey. So it was a crew that had to do it. And so Moana gets the story name and she's, you know, definitely the leader of the group. But she couldn't have done it alone. And so I thought that that was really remarkable and has something to tell future activists. Like, I think that they mm-hmm. can see that as like, we don't want, you know, movements that are just led by a single person they're too easy to take down but if you are you know guided by a greater sense of love for community and then you have a a crew of people with you you'll be all right before we move into the second question i think going back to that final scene where tafiti is like I'm done. Like, I, I am enraged to the point where I'm ready to attack. Like, I, you have my heart, basically. You have my heart. And Moana is, I feel like that's a space where Moana comes. Like, I think that the the, the theme of find out who you are, know who you are, uh, understand who you are, that has been, like, the thread that has been woven throughout. Mm. Um, and she's been going through this journey, right? And she's been practicing, I am a wanna, I am a wanna, and none of it sounded convincing, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, girl, yes, that's the name your mama and them gave you, but you ain't no warrior, you know? <laughs> but I feel like in that moment and understanding that her strength is going to be used to restore the humanity, mm. right, mm-hmm. of 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 her community um or the representation of her environment like i felt like in that moment even seeing her command the ocean like she knew exactly what she needed to do mm. she wasn't afraid like it wasn't like we've seen so so many uh moments in the cartoon when she was just like i'm not the one i'm not the one like i don't yeah. know why the ocean chose me but in that moment, how she just commanded the ocean, she knew exactly yeah. what Tafiti needed, right? And it was just that, that for yeah. me, that's when I cried. Like, that's when I cried my eyes out because I'm like, yo, you are standing, like, this is your moment. And to me, it's very similar when I, you know, when your student graduates and you were like, oh, you was raggedy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but when you see them, like, own and become and see uh-huh. all of themselves, like, that was the moment I was like, now you are Moana. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I that was a very, very well done scene. I, I, I really enjoyed seeing that. So, Chanel, 
how do you see a lot of these things um, impacting your social justice work? What are some pieces of this that you see um, in your everyday work and that in the unraveling of various forms of oppression that you try to do? Yeah, I mean, I just talked touched on some of it, right? Like, so the collectivity piece, I think is really big. I think for myself, the very present past. Um, so I just loved, you know, my favorite song, my kids get sick of it, because every time they watch it, that's the scene I have to rewind over and over again, is when her grandmother sends her to, to go and look at the um, uh-huh, the boats, uh-huh. and then they beat on the drums, yeah. and then that that song. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm like, okay, we got to watch that two more times. I'm like, Mom, we trying to finish the movie before bedtime. But I just love it. Like, I love, like, you know, her being able to see her people, see their past, and, like, that is what we need for movements as well is that recognition that, you know, we do have a past, but it's also still present. Like the past is really present yes. and they, the, the way they drew that up, it felt like it was like you're watching them now. And then there was even that point when she is in the in the water and the grandmother comes where the boats come by again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she sees her ancestors again. Um, so and I they think give her like the nod. You know the nod. You know the nod. They give her the nod. Like you did well. Like you, you, you did well. You, You're the you one. Got it. You got it. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't with the grandma, but they come back. It was. They come back. No, it was with the grandma. It, it was, was the with grandma. the grandma on the boat when she when um, Maui leaves. When Maui leaves and she's out there in the uh, ocean, yeah, yeah, and she, and Grandma's like, "Yo, you got this. Yo, you got this. I got you." And then you see all the this fleet of ships just coming come through. by. Yes, oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. come through. They give her the nod. Um, so I I just love all of that, and I mm-hmm. do think that like you you need people, and and that's really important. Mm-hmm. And so as complicated as Maui was, she wouldn't have learned how to be a wayfinder without Maui because her mm-hmm. nobody was yeah, willing yeah. to teach her that, yeah. and so she needed that. She needed that lesson, and so knowing that you need people, that it's not all all about you, but also knowing like just that sense of like you're doing something that is bigger than you. I haven't seen mm. a Disney princess have to mm. face that. Like that, like you're, mm-hmm. this is beyond you and what you need. This, this is, is your civilization. Yeah, like you're yeah. called to do something bigger. I think that that was super important. And right now I'm thinking a lot about the restorative justice piece and what that means. So yes, there's my social justice work and then there's like the raising of my babies mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a lot of what those lessons are that I saw in Moana consent. Like, you you know, Maui took something that mm-hmm. she didn't give him. Yeah. Like, we can have so many conversations mm-hmm. with the children in our lives around consent, and they can get it better because Disney helped make that idea palatable through Moana. So it, like, gives you a nice touch point to say, ah, 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 you want to be like Maui? <laughs> like, like oh, or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, like, that, I think that that has been, it's just really helpful in terms of thinking about how I, how I raise my children always celebrating brown girls. So we had a moment, you know, Corey, we watched Moana and then she, you know, needed to put on her Moana outfit and mm. play like she's a wayfinder. And then, you know, we're, we're all proud, mm. like, go brown girl, go curly girl. And then she said, I wish I had hair like Moana's hair. And I'm like, oh, see, now we got to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, right. You are a African version of Moana. Like, you're not Moana. Right. Right? Like, so you're you're a black Moana. Like, you're like that. Like, you're in, you're, what you have on now, 
is inspired by Moana, <laughs> yeah. right? But we're not finna do that, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. you know, if it was Halloween or something, sure, I'd get her a wig. But, like, you know, that desire, like, I need her to love herself, yeah. and, but also appreciate other mm-hmm. people's difference. And so we had to talk about what it means to have hair like Moana because mm-hmm. Moana is Polynesian. Right. You're not. So your hair's not going to do what Moana yeah. hairs does. Yeah. You can appreciate her curl pattern, but also celebrate your own. Yours, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think... Those are the things that I take forward in terms of thinking about, yeah, like the 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 benefit of the movie or, or mm-hmm. how I think about using it in my own work. Mm-hmm. Wanda, what about yours? Ooh, I think, you know, I don't think that question's ever been asked of me. Here we are, season two. I've been <laughs> able to only have the guests answer that question. Thanks, Shannon. Hi. Um, Mm, so I'm thinking a lot. Consent, of course, I see the pattern that Disney created from Maleficent again. I think we had a really good conversation about consent last season when we talked about, we had the opportunity to kind of talk about the fact that in Maleficent, uh, very early on when they were children, Stefan? Stefan. Stefan. He actually uh, had a ring made of silver. Mm-hmm. Iron. 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 Thank you. Had a ring made of iron, and he touched her, and it hurt. It harmed her, and he immediately threw it away, right? So in that, I thought that's another touch point of consent, right? Or harm, accountability. When you know you have harmed someone, you rectify that, yeah. right? You don't sit in that and say, well, you're wrong for feeling like you're wrong. You know, like you you handle it. And I think that that later comes up in the conversation of consent when, of course, when he takes the iron and he takes her wings, right? And he uses it as a weapon to detach her wings. And it's, you know, comparing that to the conversation around collegiate modes of prevention education and making it more palatable for um, college-age men specifically and this idea of there's not enough education, there's not, you know, people don't know what they're doing in those moments. And I'm like, you can learn. Like, there there are touch points to learn. Mm -hmm. So I think about consent. I think these are two Disney movies that actually, I think, do a really good job with uh, furthering that conversation. I think in general, Moana is one of those, at this point in my life right now, some of the work that I'm doing on um, looking at my own community, I feel like I'm also on a similar journey where I'm looking at the state of my own county where I'm from and looking at some of the change and devastation that's taking place. And I'm trying to figure out how to do the work of saving my county and so I'm working on a curriculum right now that is that will have restorative justice origins and looking at this idea of communal self-governance and I think a gap in restorative justice research has been environments in the North American Southeast black low-income areas I want to know can restorative justice live there when when we're talking about communities that are built up on the history of civil rights uh, movements, and also, I mean, honestly, we can call it apartheid, right? We can call because that's mm-hmm. basically what it is. And so, I think when I think about Moana and think about like 
having to take that on and to figure out the path and be the wayfinder. Um, that's something, that's a role that I am looking to step into and that I'm trying to research. I think that really speaks to me because I can see the finish line. I just have to get there. And, and I, I just think it's dope. I think it's dope to be able to have a movie where there are, there's several generations of women who are smart. They ain't just pretty. I mean, they're pretty, but they ain't just pretty because grandma got some the grandma got some nice skin. Did y'all mm-hmm. notice that Grand Granny ain't got no acne? I'm like, <laughs> Granny, you you was out the chain. But Granny was the visionary. Mama packed and was like, I know what you're gonna do. I am gonna help you do what I can within my power to help you get there. And Moana was the quarterback. I feel like mm-hmm. it was a team effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I like Disney stories where we're not centering men. Anyway, I I think it's really interesting that we had a king, we had a chief, and he was just, he was just a chief. When do you hear that? When the, oh, her daddy was just a chief, you know, but the movie's about Moana. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't hear that. And so I like being able to see that centering of that dynamic happen. So, Shannon. (laughs) Well, I'm in the first year of founding a program. Mm Mm-hmm and uh, our graduate program and I'm a women gender and sexuality studies PhD founding a writing and digital communication program and so one of the things that I've really my approach was we're going to focus on cultivating inclusive digital communication and building a world we can all thrive in so like world making through communication and for me there are a couple of things that were that kind of touch on that work and one is Moana's kind of journey of self-discovery is something Mm -hmm. that I am trying really hard to guide for my students or at least kind of put them on that path and so so your grandma yeah okay (laughs) I'm trying to grandma it you know I have some silver in this hair so and you have CVS glasses and I (laughs) don't knock my readers I just got readers and I just showed them to them before the show yes so I have my granny glasses and my silver and my hair. so But I like to think of myself as a very youthful grandma. You are. Thank you. And, and shout out to the youthful grandmas out there. <laughs> Granny glasses are awesome. They are. But also, like, I'm trying to put a margins, like, I'm, I'm doing a margins to center epistemological approach to everything in the program. Mm. So for me, it's also really interesting to see how they approached Moana and where they really nailed it and got it right and where they still had some issues because I'm trying to learn from as many other people as I can so that my students don't bear the brunt of my learning curve mm-hmm. as I, I figure out exactly how we're going to embed this throughout the program. I'm really interested in the empowerment piece, but I'm also really interested in the restorative part of the justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. All right. Last question, Chanel. If you had to retell the story, I know that this is your favorite. (laughs) So I know that this is not going to be simple. If you had to retell the story of Moana, how would you retell the story? So I didn't like the dad. 
he reminded me too much of Ariel's dad. Mm-hmm. And so there there are time there was one point in the movie where he you know was trying to it's coming from a place of love just like King Triton right like afraid of you know their daughter going out into the world and what could happen but he was so adamant that he actually lifts her up like he picks Moana up by the arms and sets her back down mm-hmm. he towers over her and he's so big and him doing that it just bothers me so I'd like Disney to do a more careful job with dads. And maybe that's just, like, the way dads have been. Like, you know, like, maybe this is a reflection, but it shouldn't... Disney also has a... So it does a lot of reflecting back. Like, the, a part of the reason why we love Moana so much is not because Disney is setting a new way of being. It's because so many women are already trying to raise their daughters in that way, and now Disney you know, reflects it back to mm-hmm. us. Disney's not necessarily forward thinking with any of this stuff, right? No, like, so no. it, it never has been. <laughs> it's just reflecting back the culture. And it tends to be about a decade behind where we actually are. So we're like celebrating like, yeah, finally. But we've been done with like thinking that our lives revolve around guys and, you know, knowing that we need our grandmamas and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, but I do think when it comes to this like fatherhood piece, when fathers are present, so that's also the thing. We haven't had a lot of daddies present, but when they do tend to be present, they tend to be really stereotypically patriarchal. I'd like mm-hmm. them to do something more with those characters. Maui also did that a few times with mm-hmm. Moana, like, you know, made it a point to, like, yell at her. And so, like, he it threw kind- her off the boat. Yeah, he threw her. <laughs> Over and over and over and over 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 again. And so I don't like that, like that they're using their power. Mm -hmm. And and it didn't feel like there was a critique of that. Now, Moana still stood strong, still did what she wanted to do. But I'd like them to not do that, like to to have a different way of not perpetuating a kind of uh, not even kind of a toxic masculinity. Could Mm -hmm. we think of another way that fathers and daughters could relate that big men and smaller girls could relate? That doesn't mean I think, yeah, I hear you. And yes, you're you know, impacting the way I think. But at the end of the day, I can throw you off this boat. I can physically remove you from this boat and make you do what I I tell you to do. Mm -hmm. So I'd like there to be more careful attention to the men in the movie. Yeah. That's my biggest rewrite that Mm -hmm. I do. Is there anything else? I'm a little, I mean, we only get, what, 90 minutes um, in this movie, (laughs) but... I'd like to know what the mom was doing once Moana left. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, like, so the yeah. dad was distracted for a minute. Mama comes in, helps her pack her food because she probably didn't know what she needed to take. So, like, mama, <laughs> mama comes <laughs> in and is like, I knew, right. And she's like, I knew you was about to leave. I know my daughter, mm-hmm. right. And so I know that you're going to do it. And I think that you're capable. Mm-hmm. Let me help you out. But then, then what? Like, what what, right. what happened with her and, and the chief, you know, once once that was... Like, how did she keep him... Because why didn't he come after her? Like, they, they knew that that it's mm. like they're going to the the end of Maui's hook. So he, he knew the general vicinity and the ocean is a big, vast place. But, you know, like... Uh, That's a good question. You know, and so I think that the mom has something to do with that. I don't know if they could find her. Maybe they couldn't find her. But it's Maybe a they question. couldn't, but... It is. I still want to know what's going on. Yeah, like yeah. how long before he noticed she was gone? I don't think it was long. Yeah. Um, and so he maybe, whatever. I just want to know more about what the mom was doing at home, what that looked like. I want it, it's like, you know, they. it's like, yeah, 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 they gave us a mom, but I want more of her now. Like now <laughs> I want to know more of her characteristic. And, you know, 
I don't think we'll ever get another mother character as strong as Merida's mom because mm. that w- the movie was about her, her mama, and so from Brave, from Brave, yeah. Merida from Brave. So maybe I'm just a little spoiled because mm. you know Merida was... from Brave, but I, I always want to hear a little bit more of the mama. That's one of my favorites too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, you know, it's interesting with these Disney princesses. So one of the things I had to do after, you know, Tiana, all of the little black girls have to be introduced to Tiana. And so we did that. And it made Corey very very happy and proud to see a black princess. But um, she still wanted straight hair. Mm. So I actually had to go to Merida, who has Mm. super thick, curly, beautiful hair, Mm -hmm. to help Corey be proud. And this is when she's about three or four. But to help her have that pride of her hair. Um, Mm. I had to get it from Merida because um, Tiana's hair is mostly up, but on the dolls and everything, it's, it's a straighter hair. It's not, it's not a a curly hair pattern. So we had to, we had to kind of blend uh, princesses. So this one makes you proud of your skin. This one makes you proud of Mm. your, your hair. So, yeah. Hmm. Mm. (laughs) I think for me, I just like, stop killing grannies. Like, grandma, let grandma make it. I know, we just got a grandma. Yeah. There was no other grandma. We just got a grandma and Mulan, grandma had to go. You know, gran- Mulan had a granny who really was not oh, to be yeah, messed Mulan. with. You know what I'm saying? She that. was not to be toy with, with you all at all. She was not yeah. playing. And she lived. She lived. Yeah. So give me, give me another granny. Yeah. Right? I think the way that they actually did or the way that they carried out Right, the story of her death. Right, when the when the lights and all of the there was that moment where you saw mm. her animal come through the ocean and guide her out of the yeah. reef. Yeah. Took me back. Didn't see that the first two right. times. You did. I did not. I oh. didn't catch it. I didn't. Ca- mm. I was like, yo, that's Granny. You yeah. know, I didn't catch yeah. it. And I think I'm very sensitive. I lost my grandmother last year, and she was and 94. I had lost mine right when the movie came out. So mm-hmm. I was like very drawn to. Mm-hmm. It was like maybe two months before the movie came yep. out. So I was like, Grandma. Uh, right. I hadn't <laughs> seen this since my grandmother passed away. And so I was very drawn to the granny character. And it was it was really refreshing to see. It's a different kind of love. It's not a mama love. And so it was very different. Now, my grandmama was hard, but it was still a different kind of love. Um, so I would do that, like, Granny's lives matter, so I want grannies to to live. Um, and I think I felt very similarly to how you felt regarding just men in 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 Moana. I also felt that um, Maui would have originally. I felt that Maui would have given more mm-hmm. when he was face to face with Tafiti, but now you've changed that actually, Chanel. When you know, you made me think it's not about me. It's about mm-hmm. Tafiti, right? Mm-hmm. And so if Tafiti is satisfied, it's fine. But that would that was my other critique is I would have, yeah, I would have liked for Maui to show up in a, in a more sincere way. I also love the fact that she didn't, that, as you stated, Chanel, her love interest was, it was her people. I love the fact that she was a, became the lead wayfinder. I wanna I wanna see what what it looks like now. You know how we have those little like Mo I wanna see Moana too, I guess. Yeah. Right. I yeah. wanna mm-hmm. see what Moana's leadership looks like. Are there is there an academy for little girls who want to be wayfinders, right? right? Like what's happening there? Mm. Uh the fact that she put a seashell 
on top of the stone at the end. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a rain to remember. Yeah. But now I want more. So I think that my retelling would actually try to be a continuation to see mm. where she is. Yeah, and I'd also like to see a little bit more of, um, what is his name, Tom, Tomatoa? <laughs> I like him! <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he makes me think about, I think a lot about blinging um, from yes. hip-hop, right? Like bling bling. And oftentimes I think, you know, my theory is that the emphasis on blinging has a lot to do with being seen as invisible, like mm-hmm. not being seen at all. So you want to be hyper seen. Mm-hmm. So he's a villain. I'd like to get a little bit more background into. I think mm-hmm. his attraction to the the shiny things is probably because he's from that realm of monsters where mm-hmm. he was invisible. And so it's like, okay, I'm from the hood. Mm-hmm. Nobody sees me anyway. Nobody pays me any attention. So now, he fly. Now you gotta he watch. Was part me. of his song. Yeah, like, yeah, he does. Like, I'm There's shiny a, now. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm shiny drab. now. Y'all didn't yeah, look I'm at shiny. me before. He was now a drab crab. Now you see said. me. And mm-hmm. so I like a little bit more backstory of. Mm-hmm. Him, like what you know, what? How did we get from drab to like? And he ate his granny though. That's a. I was oh, like, I'm done with you. Yeah. I'm like, I'm done with yeah. you. But I get that. I yeah. get that. You know, was he I telling could... the truth? He was telling the truth. He, he might have done some terrible, horrible things. <laughs> I don't want to make him a good guy. I just want to know more about how did he get bad? <laughs> like, bad. like mega mind. Like, you, you basically know what I mean? just like, said, Tom and Toya ain't never lied when <laughs> he said he truth. ate his granny. They said he did it. He did it. Whatever they. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they said, Tomatoma did. He did it. Um, I believe that. I just want to know more about his upbringing. What was it like in that realm of monsters? So I think, I think I'd like to hear a little bit more. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> oh my god! You was that. like the streets ain't lying on him. Yeah, he did it. Oh. My retelling. I I actually would go back to. So I'm very, I'm still very troubled by the scene with Tafiti and Mao at the end, but I really like your reading of it, Chanel, as it doesn't matter what we need, it matters what she needs. Mm-hmm. If that was a little bit more clear, mm-hmm. I would be good with that. I also, so I would make that more clear, like what that it's what she needs, and that might be giving her a voice. Right. Mm. Because everything, like, he gets he gets solos. She gets no voice. Yeah. So I would give Tafiti a voice. She fly, too. Her hair was laid. I, I was like, Tafiti. I don't know. Amazing. I think a lot about her and um and not speaking and, like, having mm-hmm. to, I'm like, but why do I need her to speak? She's so powerful, even with no mm. no words. Like, does she need to? And then even thinking about an apology to us versus what an apology looks like from a god like even if he were like on his knees crying and begging to her it's like i'm a goddess like like it may all be the same right like whether or not he's like i'm sorry or whether or not he's like uh like she's still who she is like she's still a super powerful goddess Mm. so i don't know but i'm I'm gonna now i'm gonna rewatch it like be (laughs) watching that that. end scene well maybe it's not speech and maybe it's not her but maybe it's something that else. makes it so clear. This is what I would like in my retelling, because we can retell this however we want. My retelling, Maui is not a joke. Mm. Maui is the guy, the trickster, who stole a goddess's heart because he wanted to impress humanity or wanted mm. to do something for, give power to humanity. And he is the true Polynesian 
kind of representation of him, or the the common one, mm-hmm. he's a young man. He's not a love interest. Mm-hmm. Because that's the one thing I think Disney has never, mm-hmm. we never see that. Because even Kristoff is a love interest. He is a love interest. Mm-hmm. He's a love Merida interest. Merida didn't have one, but the whole thing was they were trying to marry her off. Mm-hmm. But there's not a friend or an ally right. mm-hmm. or a guy who is not the villain, but also not a love interest right. who is a peer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what I, and he's not, he's a demigod. He's not a peer, but but he's also like if he was a young man mm-hmm. who had cuz i think also we would think very differently about what he did if he wasn't a joke mm-hmm. yeah. it made him a joke to underscore the seriousness of what he of did what he did i agree so i would make him not a joke i would make him a trickster mm-hmm. who did this thing who violated the, who brought down this the the darkness mm-hmm. on everyone who yeah, who Stole from a, stole a goddess's heart, mm. and and then I would play out the story. Moana would still be Moana, but it adds a different love. Like yeah, a, it changes. The, it's not as much a children's story then, right? But it changes that ocean. Their their his your welcome, his vanity, his arrogance. You know, it changed their their journey across the sea. Even him coming back for her. It changes it. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like we can have that conversation at the end yeah. and talk about restorative justice because like it that. doesn't make light of. I think we'll also have to talk about intent versus impact yes. as well because mm-hmm. yes. we can't just talk about restorative justice. And I think that's the lens that in the way in which he's presented now, we can't talk about that yeah. because he's so charming, because he is such um, a favorite character. You know, mm-hmm. but we we don't have the opportunity to 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 interrogate that in that same way. Yeah. So I also think we can't have this conversation about you know Maui really being a um, a trickster. Yeah, or like like really he did something really terrible because mm-hmm. we we can't talk about Moana without talking about like Disney's marketing and capitalism and like what mm-hmm. they were really. Mm-hmm. So as much as mm-hmm. I can't really find a lot of critiques with Moana, I have a ton of critiques of what Disney was doing mm-hmm. through this Moana yeah. mm-hmm. um, franchise and character, right? And so like Maui can't be held too accountable because then he's not marketable to the little boys that there they want to market yep. Maui too. Yeah. So if he get, gets in too much trouble or seen as like too much in the wrong, they had to make it light in it so that they could then sell mm-hmm. the Moana, I mean the Maui Halloween hooks, costumes. The, ho- the Halloween costumes. Oh, and there's like, a problem with those too. They, the original, like what they put out there for kids were brown oh, yeah. suits yeah, yeah, yeah. with tattoos on them yeah. that were then they pulled from stores because it was basically like costume of blackface yeah. or brown face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, when we went to Disney World for um, Christmas, uh, Moana wasn't there. And, mm-hmm. you know, we start doing a research like, Moana's so popular, why wouldn't she be there? Because she's at the resort. In Hawaii, right? Like, and so a part of like what they yeah. did, which which is so counter to what what the mm. movie was really about, saving her mm. people, and you know, we, we I mean, they came and the coconuts were all rotted out. That's like mm-hmm. ecological harm, right? And mm. so, but Disney is using the the Moana franchise to to really spawn this whole tourist industry mm-hmm. in Hawaii, and so mm. that mm. we can talk a whole lot mm. about. And so, like, I don't think we can ever get a true. Reckoning for uh, Tafiti right. 
um, in a way that really makes us like, okay, restorative justice aside, like, but for real, like, you did some really messed up stuff and you should be held accountable to it because he would be too much in trouble. Um, and that would mean uh, you can't market him in the same way. Right. Because they don't market Jafar. Right. No, they do not. They do not. They do not. Oof. So. Mm. Man, this is such a good, this is so good. This is fun. Y'all can't see me, but I have my hands all in my scalp. I'm just so excited. Like I scratch my scalp when I get, when I'm satisfied and I'm pleased. I'm pleased. Chanel, thank you so much. Oh, thank y'all so much for allowing me the space to just talk about Moana. My daughter was really jealous. She's like, where were you watching this this weekend? Why? Like, what you gonna say? Like, that's you, what you gonna say about Moana? I'm like, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. So I gotta rewatch. She's oh. got a daughter just like you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is... I love it. Y'all need your own show. Chanel, thank you so much for lending your voice today, giving your thoughts, and just being an all-around, like, amazing guest today. I enjoy working with you. I enjoy any time I'm in a room with you. It is a good time because I know some truth is going to be told, and you don't get that everywhere. So how can people get in touch with you? Well, you can follow me on Twitter. I don't post much, though, (laughs) Um, but that's a good place to start at Chanel number five N N B R number five V E. Um it's very complicated. Mm-hmm. But it was my AOL name. <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a good place to to find me on Twitter and, and Instagram. <laughs> okay. And the Center for Women's stuff, you can see what we're up to. Center for Women at Emory, what we're doing. <laughs> That's it. I'm pretty boring, but... Uh, you are far from boring. I'm sorry. I don't know I'm how... still stuck in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Just I've laughed this me. much in all throughout. <laughs> so that's that. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And the Crunk Feminist Collective, because then collectively, you could see... <laughs> Other people doing this stuff. So, this is great. That's Thank you list. so much, Chanel. <laughs> we are probably going to continue talking, y'all. You're going to miss out on that because we <laughs> have to go. But thank you again for listening to season two. And I am Wanda Swan. I'm Shannon Palma. And you have been listening to Once, Once Upon, Upon a Patriarchy. Patriarchy.